I'd honestly say the cleaners found the changing room floor just fucking littered with plaster Paris socks the next morning because a bigger group of wankers you could not wish to find. Like self-indulgent, lazy wine and tossers. Like, can, can you imagine how it must feel to be a to be a sound Man United fan? And I'm sure one or two of them exist. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Just like that, we are in the top 10 again. <laughs> Remember last season where we spent what felt like 10 months in 11th place and the top 10 just always felt untouchable? Not anymore. We go back into the top <laughs> half whenever, whenever the hell we want. And just like that, we're level with Newcastle in 7th place. <laughs> <laughs> we're one point off third. Just like that, Aston Villa are back. Yes! We beat the worst team in the league by far. <laughs> yes, Sean Dyche had no plan of any kind to do anything to exploit Villa in any way. And yes, we picked up what looks like another long-term bloody injury. But it was nice. It was just nice to be hammering a team. It was nice to to be able to feel, feel that feeling again when you picked up the ball. You were going to score. And it's nice to, to have that bit of optimism that we all had just before last week it's nice to have that back in the pit of the stomach and now you're looking forward to european football <laughs> and leon bailey is amazing and sure isn't life wonderful this week <laughs> it's amazing that you mentioned Saudi arabia there because i think it was about it was about 25 minutes into the, the game last week when i was like right who are we playing next week and sort of, sort of looking up our fixture list. And then when I was reminded that we were at home to Everton, it genuinely made the rest of that game more bearable. <laughs> but then, then you wake up on the Sunday after two days of drinking, you know, you're walking around in the sun, wearing a sweatshirt and putting up with it because, because that seems more manageable, less hassle than stopping and taking it off, taking off your backpack, putting the jumper over your head, trying to get it into your fucking bag. Ugh. And there's some lad sitting at the top of the street with a fucking keyboard on his lap who sounds like he's just found it on the side of the road and he's hitting the keys to find out what they fucking do. Like, that that can all lead to the darkness settling in. And look, I, I knew Aston Villa were going to beat Everton at home, but that wee fucker in your head, not the lad on the keyboard, the one that, the one that pops in. All right, imagine Sean Dice just standing there laughing at John McGinn who's raging because Anana's just run over the top of him and bundled the ball through to Calvert-Lewin to bundle one under the net. But Colin, that was just a hangover. And also, I've got I've got something to admit. I didn't watch Everton versus Fulham on the first day of the weekend of the season. I, I know I like to present myself as football mad, but I didn't tune in for Everton Fulham. Like, I was probably too busy twiddling my thumbs and staring at this space. I just couldn't fit it in. So I didn't know that Sean Dyche's tactical evolution from Frank Lampard was to move Awobi from centre midfield to the wing, but still play him centre midfield. Like, you know, <laughs> nobody told me they were playing Abdullah Decore as a number 10. Everton played five centre midfielders yesterday, and they looked like they couldn't pass a fucking stool after a Vindaloo, which is ironic because that was the shittest performance I've seen at Villa Park since Richards, Okori, Lescott, and Sissoko went out in the fucking pool on Valentine's Day in 2016 and got fucked by Liverpool. <laughs> They were very bad. They were very bad. And I can't believe Sean Dyche has gone from Burnley to Everton and all the talk from him, even before he got a new job, was that he did what he had to do at Burnley. 
if we had your Burnley, it'd be completely different somewhere else. He's taking a bigger club, a better team, and he's he's gone from four four two to four five one, and that five, like you say, isn't the five. It's it's five in the very middle. Formation should now be, they should be rebranded to include players playing out wide or not, because there definitely should be a different type of number for the five that, that they're playing in midfield. But ah, it was it was so easy. It was so easy for Villa. They didn't have to be good of a. A friend is an Everton fan, very fond of him. Some of my best friends are Everton. <laughs> he texts me saying, you know, he texts me before the games, and I've got a good feeling about this. I don't know why. And before I even like had read his messages, Villa had already scored two. <laughs> and and I just said to him, Everton are a mess. I didn't even comment on the game really. And he said, Hey, hey, Villa weren't that good, by the way. And I was like, I know. That's why you're such a mess. Villa didn't have to be good. And it was the easiest game they'll ever play. Thank God. Thank God we have to play Hibernian before we get a tough test against Burnley. Then. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be going into playing against actual decent football teams in the Premier League, having gone bouncing in from, from the Everton match. It was, uh, it was bad. And it all started with, with John McGinn, the captain, the guy who promised fantasy football fans that he was going to be better his one goal last season. And I wish I had a bloody listen, Liam. We'll talk about that later in the fantasy football segment. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we have to get real. You did question our midfielders' goal contributions last season. And here they are carrying us now. I mean, it's, it starts with Dougie, just gets away from a tackle, drills it to Diaby. Whole first half, I felt like Diaby was just dropping into that number 10 and turning on the ball so well, head up, always just making things happen. This time... He needed his face to help him with the first touch because it ricocheted up and hit him on the face. But he did get it under control. He did drive forward and he did feed Mint Bailey. And Mint Bailey <laughs> gets it onto his right. And I have a theory. I have a theory about Leon Bailey's right foot. Do you know the way Dolly Parton once said, if you want the rainbow, you have to put up with the rain? <laughs> if you want Leon Bailey's right foot to be as deadly as you and I both know it is, then it's very clear that you have to put up with a game <laughs> of him trying to cut inside over and over and never succeeding. Because there's no way, there's no way Ashley Young or anybody at Everton would think he's going to go on to his right. And bang, there he goes. And when he goes on to his right, we know what happens. And John McGinn knows what happens. And he, his movement is great. And the finish is, is nice into the, into the net. Absolutely. When I when I see Leon Bailey go on his right foot, I feel like Paul Scholes when he sees his daughter in a pair of sandals. I just I just know something tasty is coming. And to be fair, to be fair to Ashley Young, like he said, who looked very old yesterday, he spent the second half of last season watching Leon Bailey come and sprinting back towards him, trying to bundle the ball back out because he's turned into trouble. So he couldn't have been expecting Bailey to go on to the byline. But he's far too flat-footed, and Bailey does brilliantly to exploit it. And when he does, and then he does absolutely brilliantly to lift the ball as well. I mean, I think there are two players sliding in to block it, and it's good movement from both Watkins and McGinn. They give him two options, and he picks the right one, and McGinn doesn't let him down. And then the second goal came quickly after, and it starts with a Matt Cash left-footed cross. I mean, talk about being in the mud. Never want to see Matt Cash on on his left foot again. I'll admit, didn't want to see Leon Bailey on the team sheet today. And I'm sure I am not alone in that, but it's fine. Look, we just ride the roller coaster. Anyway, Leon Bailey does get away with a big Rossenthal moment because his header is not good. Cash puts it into him. It's a nice ball in. 
the only thing is that Watkins is running on to his header and he pokes it around the England number one. And then the England number one doesn't know where the ball is. But, I mean, we all know the Superman punch is his default when the ball is anywhere near him. So he comes straight out with, with his two fists. But this time, he tries to do it on Ollie Watkins' face. So the England number one dives towards Ollie Watkins' face, swinging a big haymaker at him. And if you actually slow it down, it's it's unreal reflexes from Watkins. It's like Floyd Mayweather. He just, <laughs> just pulled, pulls his neck back just enough to watch the, the England number one's fist breeze by the hairs on his nose. It's so close to it, but it, it's like he's under control. He knows exactly where his fist is the whole time. And anyway, he gets clattered with, with the rest of Pickford's body and Villa get the penalty. And it turns out, it turns out if you can plant the ball into the far top corner from the corner of the pitch, you can plant the ball into the side netting from the middle of the box. And Douglas Louise on penalties is going to make my life so much more manageable. <laughs> it's a great it's a great ball from Cash. And Bailey is an absolute acres of space. Torres, Bailey, Watkins and McGinn are all completely free by the time the ball leaves Matt Cash's left foot. It's absolutely indefensible defending. And it's not a good connection from Bailey. But if, but if it wasn't for Jordan Pickford's heroics, that would have been his second assist of the game. I mean, that is the most unconvincing Superman impression from the most unconvincing goalkeeper in the league. And it turns out his kryptonite is Leon Bailey's fourth header of his fucking career trickling into the six-yard box. And then and then he's pretending to be injured afterwards, drawing yeah. attention to the fact that he collided with Ollie Watkins while simultaneously protesting the decision. Like I, I, I was just about to say the only place that lad is injured is between his ears, but I'm not sure there's anything in there to injure. And why is he trying to slap Watkins in the face? Like, Watkins hasn't been picked for the last few England squads. Like, is he, he hasn't seen him in a while? What's the crack, pal? Was it a show of affection? Like, and I look, you look back at the incident again as well. You know, as Patterson is scrambling back onto the line, he does really well, to be fair to him. Michael Keane is literally scratching his head trying to figure out what has just happened. Like, how has life come to this? He used to play for Man United. He made his debut next to Phil Jones, David De Gea. Behind him and fucking David Moyes now, except it doesn't sound that different, does it? <laughs> Michael Keane, three 0 What is this boy still doing playing Premier League football? <laughs> I don't, I don't know what he's doing here, and I don't know what he's doing <laughs> in this particular move as well. He's he stretched out to reach a ball that wasn't really going anywhere, and he he thought it was safer to caress it into the middle of his own box to two unmarked Villa players like once again. Villa players free in the box and this started with a set piece like a throw in on the left I mean Everton are lucky Matt Cash didn't go over to take that because we could have could have gotten that in a lot sooner and a lot more directly if we had got our main throw taker <laughs> over to the left wing but but anyway Michael Keane just touches it towards Leon Bailey and it's on Leon Bailey's right foot so we know it's going to be punished as severely as possible <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a good idea from Luca Dean, who's obviously been in training all week with Austin McPhee. And he, he spots he spots Everton are asleep. And Michael Keane, like he said, he's obviously having fucking night terrors. Like, what in the name of God is going on here? If the only thing you can do to stop John McGinn chasing the ball towards the byline with your centre half partner up as Ampelors, if the only thing you can do to stop that is to knock it perfectly into Leon Bailey's right foot in the middle of the goals, let the ball go past you. It's like it's not worth it. And I would love to slag off Jordan Pickford for getting nutmegged here. But this is not on Jordan Pickford. This is on former Manchester United centre-half, Michael Keane. (laughs) 
And then the fourth goal. It's nice to be talking about a lot of goals again, isn't it? It's been too long. I know we've only played two games. This uh, we season. talked about a lot of goals last week as well. <laughs> but it's Ashley Young to John Duran. I mean, it's, it's a lovely, lovely assist from Ashley Young. <laughs> this, this is the thing about Everton and Sean Dyche at the minute. This is so uncharacteristic. This is so uncharacteristic. I, I don't remember. I, I don't remember Ashley Young doing anything like that when he was at... Aston Villa, like it's it's such a bad mistake. I don't remember Ashley Young. Maybe posterity, you know, he's changing it in my mind. I don't remember him being nominated for a what the fuck award. Really, this was crazy. And I think it's crazier. Is he trying to throw it to Michael Keane? <laughs> <laughs> he's throwing it very in field anyway to either whoever was on right midfield. I was going to say, like that could have been the right winger playing right centre midfield. Or it was there, whoever was on the right centre back position, which is Michael Keane, and John Duran just puts the pressure on, takes a nice heavy touch, which draws the keeper. Then it actually worked out really well for him, but he had so much space, so I'm sure he wasn't too bothered about where that touch was going. So he just adjusted, and it's a great finish. It's such a nice finish, actually, so cool, so calm, so deadly, and it just wheels away in celebration. I mean, the celebration's even better than the finish because you know I like a hoodie like that. Type of celebration, <laughs> and he's he's given it so much of the how do you like that? Like that's what I do. That he ignores per Bertrand Ferrari first on the scene, trying to give him a little high five, and he ignores it. And Bertrand Ferrari has to just hug him because Duran is just looking into the crowd. Presumably, he's looking up to his family, but he's looking into the crowd. Just yeah, plenty more where that came from. Yeah, and Villa Park legend Ashley Young is absolutely doing his best to go further up the list of greats from the Premier League era. He's like, you know, he gave Leon Bailey a much needed boost to his confidence for the first goal and rounds off his afternoon with an incredible through ball to Duran. And Ashley can't fool me pretending he's throwing that ball to Michael King. Ashley Young knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing there. And it's a lovely disguised pass to John. And Michael Keane has once again gone back to sleep. And look, I know some people aren't morning people. You know, it takes people a few minutes to shake off the cobwebs. But making a fucking pick for desk attempt to win the ball is not appropriate behaviour. And, and also, this was a Sunday afternoon kickoff before the watershed. You can't just present yourself like that on live TV. There are children <laughs> fucking watching. Unbelievable. And John Duran makes an absolute mess and full of him. And again, that's a great finish. You're right. Yeah, great finish. Great day. Easy day. I think it's going to be the start of a good week. You know, people are going to be laughing now on Wednesday's podcast. <laughs> but we'll enjoy this one as it comes. We're going to take a quick break because I've got some WhatsApp winches. Only one fine I want to talk about because it's a new one. An Aston Villa player asking to come off. <laughs> I, mean, I am sure that I saw Luca Dean in the 70th minute, maybe the 71st minute signal for a prolonged period of time to the bench that he was tired and he had his tongue out at one stage as if to say, oh my God, how much more running am I going to have to do? And he was doing the arm roll and sub sign. And I mean, Emery's looking back. He's looking back at his bench, looking for the other left backs behind him saying, no, you're all right, mate. I mean, <laughs> they're not even playing a winger. Just suck it up. Just, just play there for the next 20 minutes. The game's over. Just see it out. I don't want to see a player asking to come off and especially a player... He's probably leaving now anyway to go on loan to Nice, but it's uh, especially a player who is fighting for that position with Alex Marino, and we give Luca Dean so much praise last year, and rightly so, for for being such an asset coming in off the bench as well. I know it's a tough role, but I mean, surely there's something in you that wants to prove that you can do it, you can stay the pace, you can play the 90 minutes. Forget about Marino when he comes back. 
not like he put a nice ball into the box at one stage for a for a chance that we got and now you want to come off. Yeah, come on, suck it up. Yeah, sitting on the bench and then having to come on after sixty minutes is a tough role mentally. Yesterday wasn't a tough role for Luca Dini. I mean the worst the worst thing about this was that his afternoon was just him standing twenty five yards out from the byline launching delicious crosses into the Everton box. Like what what were what were they saying then before the match? Like make sure you keep an eye on James Garner. Luca Dean had nothing to do yesterday. And maybe that's it. Maybe he was actually sarcastically suggesting the dice that he needs to take Garner off because he's fucking useless. All right, the first WhatsApp wins. And look, look, this is WhatsApp wins. Okay, so let's let's acknowledge that this is a safe zone for all of us, for, for people like me and you and people... People who get feelings in their guts. All right, let's, let's, it's WhatsApp winches, okay? And I know it must be hard. And I, I've seen the Facebook post of Calvert-Lewin's dad, but <laughs> come on. Come on. I, I said before the game, I said it to you, we were watching the game together, and I said, he is going to come off 30-something minutes. You heard it. It happened. I don't even take much pleasure in that. It's sad to see this happen, and it's sad to be able to predict that. For like, I don't even know what his main injury was, but you know something's going to happen that, that he's going to come off, and he takes a bang to the face as Martin has catches a ball ahead of him, and he's he's down for a while. Like, don't forget there was nine minutes added on to that first half, and it's like he's checking for blood. He's, he's checking for blood, and he's having extensive conversations with the medical team. It's very clear he wants to come off, and and, and he mustn't have been concussed. I, I'd say they were confident in that from from the in depth chat they were having with him. Like, you know, <laughs> like, from the in depth chat they were having about the best way that he could get out of this game. If anybody's ever read Catch Twenty Two, <laughs> the only way you can leave the war is to prove you're insane. But if you if you if if you tell them that you want to leave the war, then you're obviously very sane for wanting to do that. So. So you can't leave. You're not insane, and and I, like I don't want to make a weekly thing about head injuries because I don't think it's funny. But it's WhatsApp winches. <laughs> Calvert Lewin is asking Calvert Lewin asking to come off proves to that medical team that he is perfectly normal. Like that's definitely good old Dominican. There is no notable changes in him. <laughs> he's looking to come off. He's fine. Like his head's absolutely fine. He's like he's just the same as he was thirty minutes ago, not wanting to play. <laughs> And then he's there for an hour, 10 or 15 minutes doing nothing. And there was one stage Martinez had the ball at his feet and he's waiting for someone to press him. And the camera pans behind the keeper and he's looking up the pitch to see, you know, so we can now see what he can see. And all I saw was the Everton striker standing in front of him and rather than pressing the ball, he's just standing, touching his cheek, checking, checking if it's still bleeding. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know, if I was an Everton fan... Like that's that's not good to see. And if if I was you receiving this WhatsApp, I, I wouldn't probably read the whole message because it was that long. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Though I, I can't think of a person I'd l- like to go to war with less than Dominic Calvert Lewin. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a worse image on a football pitch. That was such a stark image, I and mean, because he's so delicately touching his cheek as well. And the worst thing, the worst thing for Everton fans has to be the realization that he has been talking shit anytime he has mentioned how he's chomping at the bit, how he just wants to get over his injury, whereas this lad doesn't want to play football. He doesn't. Yeah. Like, I don't think... I don't think Emmy Martinez comes off there. Like, and again, the context is, this guy was playing for another 10, 15 minutes, and, you know, and the medical team had checked on him a couple of times, and 
like Emmy Martinez, if he had been out for such a long time, the way Dominic Calvert Nunes been out, I don't think he's coming off for that collision. If if, he, if it was his face in there, I think he wants to play. I think I think if you were chomping at the bit, there is an element of come on, like push push through it a little bit. And if you're able to play fifteen minutes, let's like let's see what you're like at halftime. Let's just make the next 10, 15 minutes and then see what you're like at halftime. Let's see what you're like after the match. I, I feel like if you really were chomping at the bit, there would be something in you. To say right, I've got a bang in the face, but I'm going to get through this match, and the, and then I'll see where I'm at. I'm not coming off for that. It's not my hamstring again or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, exactly, and, that, and that's it exactly. Like it's it's almost not a football injury. You can, you can keep playing with this. It's going to be annoying. He's not. He mightn't be able to see quite as well because his cheeks puffed up. His fucking cheeks puffed up. Stay <laughs> on the pitch. Second WhatsApp wins. Does Cameron Archer think I'm the sort of person to not <laughs> notice someone yawning on the bench? I mean, I, I see it all on the bench. I see Bertie T. Snood. I see it all. And I see Cameron Archer having a little yawn to himself at the start of the match. And, I mean, anybody listening to this podcast now, we're in our fourth season of it. They know I just like players to look like they're ready anyway. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't think I have the linguistic skills to articulate just how easy that game of football was yesterday, Connor, for the players. <laughs> For the players on the pitch, so imagine what it must have felt like sitting on the bench. And remember, and remember as well, if Cameron Archer is doing what we want him to do when he's sitting on the bench and watching that match to understand he can, how he can impact it if he's coming on, he's looking at Michael Keane. He's he's watching Michael Keane sleepwalk around the pitch. That you that is yawning, Justin. Cameron Archer can control his natural emphatic response. That's not on him, Conan, for fuck's sake. <laughs> the third WhatsApp when you... Does Myelenko think I'm the sort of person to not notice? <laughs> Someone tying a knot around his head with tape. He's taking tape off his wrist and now he's tying a knot around his head as he's watching Sean Dice crack up because his team are 4-0 down. <laughs> and I, once again... If I was an Everton fan, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I was like, he has to try to impress Dice somehow. I mean, Ashley Young was playing for Aston Villa yesterday and he was given the full 90 minutes in an Everton jersey. Like, maybe he was just trying to differentiate himself from 38-year-old Ashley Young by making himself look as young as possible, tying fucking ribbons and pigtails on these hair. He'd be in a pair of dungarees next week. <laughs> it was honestly so strange. I'll try and find a picture for people. It was late enough in the match and... It was showing you dice for a while. Obviously, they were having a conversation about him on commentary, and just behind him, it was just it, it was so precise as well. It was go, it wasn't just it, you know sometimes you can just lift something to your head and pull it back down. It was it was delicately wrapping it around his head and now trying to get the knot at the other side. It's like oh my god, this is a club that remind me of 2015, 2016 Aston Villa, <laughs> and I cannot think of anything worse. I'm sorry, just to clarify, I mean after Tim Sherwood left. <laughs> Everybody knows that. and You wouldn't have to be a long-time listener to know that, Colin. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave that there and we'll come back with the award categories after this. All these... Right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Grealish FC. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. We've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. (laughs) Did 
many people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. Let's start with the Rosenthal Award. Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise has a big chance. He doesn't slot it when Bailey. Bailey cuts back as well. Bailey has done the work on his right foot to now open up a cutback option for himself. And he's driving down the right. Now Ashley Young's worried about being done again. And Bailey chops it inside, tees up Douglas Louise who's just feeling confident, having already scored anyway, but he then tries to lay it off to Diaby, and he does lay it off, but Diaby's left-footed shot is saved by Pickford, but I feel like with the pace of Bailey's ball, I mean, Douglas Louise should have just wrapped that into the bottom right instead. He just dropped it off to Diaby to try and put it into the bottom left. Yeah, look, it's it's lovely, completely overcomplicated football. Yeah. And Bailey picks up the ball and he does the right thing. He drives it young again. He picks out his man, but his fucking man lets him down. He's trying to start a he's trying to start another relationship with Diaby. Didn't appreciate what he had with Bailey Connor, and now he's gone and ruined it all. <laughs> Diaby volley from the look at Dean Cross. Oh, come on, like just give us something. Just 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 give me I'm going to say, just let me enjoy myself. They did win 4 0, so I can't be that really bradish. But I mean, such a nice crowd. I mean, look at Dean is the only person to get blocked. I mean, I mean I've mean, i never seen somebody get blocked as much for a cross and it still goes in the same direction he wants it to go. <laughs> he must put serious whip and power into his crosses and it goes the whole way around to the back post where there's two unmarked Aston Villa players. <laughs> the Abbey's there. And my God, he catches it well with his right foot. It's a good save from. Pickford and he gets it off the inside of the post it goes the whole way across the line and out to the other side and ah, uh, just would have been amazing into the whole end as well. Uh, yeah, you'd, you'd want to be living in fantasy land to believe Dinia's looking for Diaby there but fucking Diaby's bought a ticket to Disneyland hasn't he? <laughs> Jesus Christ and, and I can't think of a bigger I can't think of a bigger compliment than thinking whenever I saw that ball looping over to the back post and I saw Diaby there a ball landing over the defender's shoulder onto his bad foot. I was thinking, he's going to fucking rattle this. Like, what a, what a compliment for me to think he could possibly score that. And Christ almighty, what a connection. And yet, Pickford does well. They move a foot to his left and, you know, tip it under the inside of the post and almost into his own net. So you have to give him credit for that. <laughs> uh, Everton, point of view, Dan Juma gets in behind Pau Torres. Let's keep an eye on that one. Not that reminded me too much of Harry Maguire. Not not the way he moved, just the way he fell asleep and lost yeah. a man in behind him. The way he didn't move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Martinez gets out on the near post and, and makes a save. But yeah, that was a little bit worrying. Just a very easy one-two. Yeah, like Torres is defending like Leon Bailey against Saudi Arabia. And like, I, I know I know Bailey looks like a whole damned hero today, but don't try to fucking ingratiate yourself to the Villa Park crowd by mimicking Bailey's defending against Saudi Arabia. Be your own man, pal, and follow <laughs> your man. <laughs> oh, Diaby, another one, another one where he drops into the 10, turns around, drives, slides through Watkins, and Watkins pulls it wide, and he goes for the bottom left. You know what the annoying thing about this is, and we've seen Watkins do this loads, right? I don't know if that goal was even on anyway. You know, we, we've seen him pull that ball and it goes narrowly wide of the post and you're like, 
the way the way he was running with his left shoulder to the net, the way Pickford had covered the angle, and he still tries to. I don't know if he's ever going to put that in from that type of shot with his instep into the bottom left. Ah, yeah. Like, if it's if it's on target, Pickford's saving it, so he has to either try to dink the keeper or to roll it back. And But again, like it was so easy, and Diaby is so good at exploiting it with his, with his passing yesterday. But the best thing, the best thing about this was uh, Leon Bailey bursting a gut to try to get onto that pass. That's what I want to fucking see. Philip yeah. playing the ball into the box, and I want to see players getting into the box. And Leon Bailey is an absolute devil for not doing this last year, standing back and watching someone else pass the ball normally. Get into the box. And he was absolutely heron in there. He nearly nudged Watkins off it. He was so desperate to get onto it. Class. Yeah. And then Emmy Martinez made another good couple of saves at the back post. Was it a corner? Went in whole way around and Neil Mopai, the right man from our point of view, was there. But he, he caught it decently. Might have been on the volley as well. Martinez reacted and saved it and he got up to save it at the front post and, and gave it the fists up. And yeah, just um, no, no entry today, really. And I genuinely don't think anyone was assigned to pick up Neil Mopai. Like, I, I, actually, I actually think they all did their job. You know, has everyone got someone? A couple of people looked around, saw him up high. Yep, all good. Like, <laughs> unbelievable. And he, he he made a mess of both of them. Like the volley's not good. It's a good save from Martinez, but he has to do better than that. He, he's got time to take a touch. Like I said, there's nobody concerned about him. If he, even if he had taken it down, I think Conza would have turned around and just kept watching him. And he just had to almost straight at Martinez. And then I don't know what he's trying to do with a follow-up. I know the ball's rolling towards the byline, but he has to be calmer there. Yeah, well, it's pulled towards the byline because of his touch. So it's like there's any time you take a touch, but I think he proves that maybe he was right to just hit it first time <laughs> because because that's what happens when he tries to take a touch. And then all he's trying to do is it's like that old classic like second touch is a tackle. His second touch is trying to keep the ball in play. <laughs> he didn't even succeed. He actually gave the goal kick, so he denied Martin as a. Uh, oh my god! I was going to say he denied Martin as a save point in fantasy football. Fuck me. <laughs> I actually heard myself that time through your ears, so don't worry. I and he said it anyway. The next time you hear me through your ears, the next time you hear me through your how else are you going to hear me? <laughs> I was going to say, though, if I was hearing you or if I was letting you in too much, I wouldn't be able to hear any of my own thoughts. It'd just be you roaring in my head. <laughs> then, oh, who's the winner? Sorry. Um, So we've got... I think I think it's Douglas Louise. Like Watkins one probably looks a bit more jarring. It looks like it's one on one. Maybe it was. Like he could have maybe he could have taken a touch, taken it around Pickford, or tried to put it in the bottom right. But I'm sort of looking at the Douglas Louise one when Bailey cuts it back. Douglas Louise didn't even shoot, he just teed up the Abbey. But I think I think if he shoots there he scores. Yeah, it's a bad decision from Dougie. He has to just wrap his big toe around us. Yeah. The Tim Sherwood, we play two number 10s and bamboozled them award. I mean, we have to give a shout out to getting John McGinn off that left flank. I was worried about him being on the left and he was on the left again, but he comes into a more central position and he was just absolutely brilliant. I'm going to talk a bit more about him in a little while, but to that same point, and it's a second nomination, but it's wrapped in the first one. This was a masterclass of proving a point to your team. From Unai Emery. <laughs> he played the exact same team as he did against Newcastle. Even McGinn on the left, even Bailey on the right. He made the exact same switch, probably around the same time, to a 3-5-2 when he brought on Diego Carlos. And he presumably said to the master, I told you this fucking works. <laughs> Don't you dare even think about pinning that 5-1 nonsense on me. You you not balls that you, you balls it up. The plan works. 
here we go. Just give me Everton every week and I'll prove to you that it works. <laughs> I think that's the big thing really though, isn't it? I mean, Sean Dice looked suspiciously like a fascist yesterday and he continued his crimes against football when he was out there. And they were diabolically set up and his players didn't look like they were trying for a meter. And while... While our players were quite good yesterday, and it's good to get those 90 minutes into their legs, we have a European playoff coming up, and you, you can play all the friendlies you want, but you can't ever replicate the intensity of a competitive game. I mean, the fixtures haven't been very kind yet. It's a big gap. I think it's 11 days between our first two games of the season, Saudi Arabia and Hibernia. So, <laughs> so hopefully hopefully we'll have recovered from the Saudi game by the time, this, by the, time the Hibernian game comes around. <laughs> Uh, do you like them? We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. I just want Austin McPhee to know that I'm monitoring the situation of us seemingly <laughs> not putting any corners into the box. But like, I'm not even I'm not even nominating him just yet. I'm I'm just I'm just letting him know that I'm marking his card. I'm keeping an eye on it. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah. If you ever listen to this podcast, Connie wouldn't need to know that we're monitoring him. But, but that was unbelievably frustrating. Yes, Jordan Pickford shows you who he is, as if he doesn't know how short Jordan Pickford's arms as well. But who who has Douglas Louise scored against from corner kicks in the Premier League? Arlen Ramsdale. Jordan Pickford's fucking hero. Put the ball, have a shot. I cannot believe that Douglas Louise didn't have one shot yesterday from a corner. It was incredible. And not only that, we didn't hang one ball into the six-yard box. We were doing the same set piece every time. It was rolled out laboriously to Dina, give it back to Douglas Louise, and then give it to John McGinn to cross from a worse angle. It was it was ridiculous. Get that ball into that Everton box and get it in there on top of their defenders that don't exist and their goalkeepers whose arms don't exist. Like It's so true because I think I have a... You know, predisposition when a, Sh- a Sean Dice team, like, the, like those those four words, a Sean Dice team, and I was almost leaning towards giving McPhee the benefit of the doubt just to say, well, he knows when he puts the ball in against a Sean Dice team, it's just going to be headed out. And, you know, the name in my head is Tarkowski, Sherlock, he deals with that, it's bread and butter, he's done it all before at Burnley. And then I see Michael Keane play. <laughs> just put it in and I know Ashley Young plays left back for him and I know how not good he was for us at corners and I know James Garner's running around the midfielder I know Dominic Calvert-Lewin is still holding his face somebody is going to be free if you put a ball into the box I know Pickford isn't going to help them so put it in to the middle of the box if you want put it on top of the keeper or like you say have a shot it sounds crazy it sounds funny it sounds like we're we're almost taking the piss. Douglas Louise, take an hour shot from a corner. He scored a lot, a big percentage of them. <laughs> a big percentage of them. And even those ones, and uh, they were obviously routines. They weren't really shots. But he was able to put it right on the front post or about five yards sort of nearer to him on the front post. So Tyrone Mings could flick it across from the byline. I mean, Diego Carlos came on there. Let's, let's, let's get some of that going again. I mean, Austin McPhee has created some really nice pieces of work of Aston Villa's corners we're allowed to do them again do another one like just 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 have a shot just do it again 
Yeah, like, and you have to, you have to know your teams you're playing against. And I'm all for Douglas Louise shooting from corners against everybody, but I'm absolutely demanding he does it against Jordan Pickford as well. And you're saying toss a few into the box, somebody's going to get free because Dominic Calvert Loon's walking around holding his cheek, and Ashley Young is playing. Four players were free in the middle of the box from a Matt Cash, and Matt Cash fucking cross that took a long time to come in as well. We didn't, we didn't rip down the wing that came back out on the Matt Cash's left foot and our centre half and both our centre forwards are free in the box incredible yeah incredible so like I say I'm not going to nominate McPhee right now but just 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 keep an eye on it (laughs) (laughs) the Paul Merson that is just filthy award it goes to Philippe Coutinho for his little nutmeg even though even though it led to a John McGinn style 40 metre shot that he should be fine for but you know come on I'm not I'm not that big an asshole to find him today He's, he's gone off injured. The nuts was very nice. I give him his due for that. And it's always very important to get the nutmeg at the other side of the nutmeg. You know, these people who knock the ball through your leg and lose the ball and laugh at you anyway. Oh, sorry. Do you not think Coutinho did that? Coutinho nutmeg somebody and then laughed at him by having a shot from fucking 45 yards. <laughs> I don't even want this ball. And I fucking pretended that he was going to try and score. But he did complete the nutmeg, which is all we're focusing on right now. The shot was ridiculous. I, I, I assume he just thought that was so good. Imagine I now score. Like, he wouldn't have needed the nutmeg to make that goal be one of the best goals of all time from where he shot from. <laughs> <laughs> shit from there anyway, whatever you want. It's, it's the same theory. But, yeah, it was a nice nutmeg. Um, I couldn't really think of any other filthy moments, really. Some nice passes of play and some nice some nice players running with the ball and banging it through the lines but that was the only one really that stood out and maybe I just felt sorry for him because I saw him coming off in a lot of pain and I was like Jesus well I think of two things it might be the end like of his Villa career I mean hopefully he's not that long term an injury but like you know he was already sort of on the wane anyway and that looked bad and I, f- I think I felt bad as well because I, s- I noticed him celebrating with John Duran John Duran was doing the little baby celebration and uh, no confirmation on this but it looked like Coutinho had just found out that he was having a baby for the first time and he looked looked just like a really pure moment it was like oh are you having a baby and it was I don't know it was nice nice to see players out of context in their in their real life but um I think the second thing I was thinking as well is oh my god we're going to need a third set of t-shirts for a player before a game like when we get our picture to say we're all with you Tyrone Mings we're all with you Emmy Buendia we're all with you Coutinho it it did look like a particularly bad one, didn't it? Because he couldn't even put his leg on the ground, and I, I couldn't tell if it was his hamstring or his knee initially. But having to be carried off and not touch the ground is is a, is a bad sign. Yeah, very bad. Let's do the Vyman meter, the Andreas Vyman. I could never hate you meter, and who is going up in the I could never hate you sticks? Sounds ironic. <laughs> but Leon Bailey is zooming <laughs> up that meter and he's going up a lot. And of course, of course I could hate him. <laughs> I will again. But on a spectrum of appreciation for what he does and what he brings, he's he's gone right up again. Like he, he was absolutely brilliant. Good effort as well, but he was great. It started started off, he got a dodgy enough ball and it looked like oh it looked like he was trying to cut inside and he was being caught out by it, but he somehow managed to shift it back to the wing and just drives down the wing and it was like oh that's a good start almost even mentally for him to think I almost lost it doing that thing I seem to always want to do automatically (laughs) and I got a lot of space by going straight down the wing so that was a really good start for him and then sure it just continued from there and he got an assist and a goal 
Yeah, and I can only imagine that last year when Ashley Young was marking him in training, he was probably letting him go past him every once in a while to try and you know boost his confidence. So Leon Bailey was coming into this game thinking, I I toast this lad every day at training. This has to be this has to be my day. And they were right, they were absolutely right to tell to tell Leon Bailey to go after Ashley Young and to just remind him to go on the outside. Go on the outside every once in a while, this will work. And we were talking before the game on the way up to the bar. Let's why don't we just play Leon Bailey on the left wing to try and take that to turn to remind him to go down the wing every once in a while to remind him yeah. what the former job of a winger used to be is to go on the outside every once in a while and just even to mix it up and hopefully now that'll sink into Leon Bailey's head that if you mix it up you'll get more chances on the other side and we all know the benefit of Leon Bailey going onto his right foot as well and hopefully now he'll appreciate it as well. Yeah. Emmy Martinez's attitude going up nice little training clip came out then from during the week where he's making a couple of nice saves and he's absolutely loving it <laughs> and he turns to the camera guy he says clean sheet sunday mate <laughs> <laughs> and there we go he delivers i was looking at that thinking he is so sure he's keeping a clean sheet why does he not just have that attitude going into every game and then i remember he is so sure he's playing everton on sunday <laughs> That's why he said. That's why he knows it's happening. Yeah, Emmy Martinez can read, and he saw the fixture list. <laughs> but the, the, thinking about the Dan Juma one as well, because I don't think I talked about. I didn't actually give him enough credit for either of the two big saves. But the Dan Juma one as well. When you watch it back, Dan Juma gets the ball and he looks like he's free. And Emmy Martinez is waiting again. He's just standing up, waiting to see what Dan Juma's going to do. And then when it becomes obvious to him that Dan Juma's going to shoot. Then he makes his move to close down the space. He doesn't just go running out and make Dan Juma's mind up for him to pull it across the box. He waits for Dan Juma. And there's some players of a certain ability, when you get inside their heads, when you ask them to do something, they mightn't do a very good job of it. And Dan Juma just ends up having a bit of a Fia Walcott moment and just smashing it straight at the goalkeeper. These players can look brilliant if you make up their minds for them. You let them try and make up their own minds and they'll reveal just how bright they are. <laughs> go on up. Diego Carlos? I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. There's, there's some people, and I never knew I felt this way about him until I was thinking about who's going up today. Some people just make you feel good, <laughs> make you feel better about things. And and I, I don't even mean that in a football sense. There, there's just something about Diego Carlos right now that I'm enjoying. I, I, I just have a good feeling about him. I, Conan, I, I like seeing him. I know I know it's not coming from a football perspective. You're just thinking about you want to be held by his big, strong arms. It just makes you feel better. It's just reassuring to see those biceps bulging. You think everything's going to be okay. We are going to see out this 3-0 win. <laughs> I actually do think there's a bit of that in it. <laughs> and, and there is definitely a bit of the, the, the meatiness that I do like as well, especially now that Tyrone Mings isn't there. It's like, oh, it's good to know that Good, you know, we've got backup there if we need it. You know, and it's not a physical confrontation. We've got Big Diego to call him. He does make you feel safe. He's, I don't know, he looks good when he gets the ball as well. He's pinging it around sometimes. I forgot towards the end of last season, he came on, just picked out a couple of lovely passes to Ollie Watkins. And I was like, ah, yeah, Diego. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Like, I definitely want to see him now starting against Hibernian and starting to get a few more minutes into his leg as well and a bit more. A bit more, I suppose, of an idea of, like, let's use this guy more often going forward. And maybe that's what Emmy Mart- Martin is. You and I, Emery, is thinking going forward with the team. is Because that's now twice in two games that he switched to a 3-5-2, regardless of what was happening on the score sheet as well. So I wonder what he's cooking up there. But 
oh, I know that I like that one of my favorite ingredients, Diego Carlos, is there. And I don't have a good palate. I can't tell you why I really like that ingredient, but I do like it. And that's okay, Conan. That's okay. And I'm I'm just glad for Stephen Gerrard as well that maybe one of his signings isn't absolutely terrible. <laughs> oh, Kamara was good. Diego Carlos, we don't know if he's going to be really good yet. All I know is I like him. Uh, Robin Olsen didn't really work out that well, did it? <laughs> Felipe Coutinho, nah, not really, not really doing it for me. Jan Benderak. Benderak, oh my God. They've been trying to get look at Dean off the wages, obviously, for a long time. I mean, it gets strange. He's, he's there, like, their left back's injured. He's played decently. I would say, especially against Everton there, but it's like, nah, you know, we, we need to, this is ridiculous how much we're paying you, let's get him off the books. And the only other one I can think of is August Dinson, speaking of left-backs. And speaking of all our players who are forgettable, Leander Dendonker. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, going up, Douglas Louise, that's pretty obvious, don't even need to talk about it, he's running the show in there, and... And Mr. John McGinn going up, and there was a stat that flashed up when Sky were given a man of the match, and you know they 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 put whatever like four or five stats together where he was first uh, out of the twenty two players or whoever might played in that game on Sunday, and one of them I thought really summed up John McGinn well. It said he was first for forward passes under pressure. <laughs> that's such a, you think of, of those words together think about what it means and you can see John McGinn spinning around someone being pushed over keeping his balance and still driving forward or running forward of it or banging it in forward to look at Dean or into Diaby or Watkins and like that that's what he does when he's at his best like obviously he does all the work and whatever else and obviously like let, let's be real John McGinn has shown that he's, he's very tactically clued in if he's able to play in all these different positions that he's played in for his Aston Villa career and be effective in all of them. I know he's like the left coming in, obviously, but he's he's still doing a really important job for the team, but he's he's still being really effective as well. He's getting the goal. His run was timed well. He scores it off his right too. Ah, he, he was very good, and like his arse was very effective as well. It was, you know, not, not, not standing and just, Hold the boys off of his arse to really show off the strength of it. No, he was trying to show how nimble his arse can be as well. Like he was banging it off someone and then sort of piling away with it as well. He was using it to spin. Like anytime John McGinn uses his arse to spin, I never mind that really. It's just when he stops and plants himself until he gets taken off, that was always the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Passes forward under pressure is a stat that's being created for John McGinn. It's <laughs> just like the time people were trying to trying to explain how good Jack Release was and had to throw up most fouls one. This is this is only relevant to John McGinn. Passes <laughs> under pressure. And you're talking about his arse there. Yeah, he wasn't just holding people off with him, he was spitting, he was chewing them up with his arse and spitting them back out. And there was one where he did a Cruyff turn but jumped in with his arse beforehand. I think he I think it was James Garner he ended up farting out the other end and then did a Cruyff turn with the ball and it was absolutely ridiculous looking. It somehow worked so well. And initially, whenever we saw him lunging in to do this, both of us went, oh! And then he just came out with a ball again and gave it to Lucadini. Yeah. Yeah, he was very good. He was very good. Anybody else in particular you want to highlight? No, I think I think you've hit all the I think hit all the big ones there. Paul Torres was good on the ball, not brilliant defensively. There's one or two moments where I was like, "Ooh, maybe I can see what people are talking about here." But again, it's his first start in the Premier League. I'm sure it'll come better. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I mentioned Diego Carlos as well, just in case you were going to mention him too. So he's <laughs> he's, he's there. <laughs> all right, questions we can't answer, but probably will.
Should United spend another few hundred million? <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I, I didn't even, I wasn't following, I was watching United match, um, or the second half of it anyway, but I wasn't really following much of the commentary around it, but I just saw a tweet. And I didn't even read the article, but it was Gary Neville lambasting <laughs> the Glazers. It's just like shattered by AI, this, this thing now United lose, Neville goes at the Glazers and and this time he's going at them for the midfield. Now Gary Neville has been going at the Glazers and going at United's team, you know, in terms of the Glazers having spent money into the team for a long time now. I mean this is all started under Solskjaer as well. And I don't know who they haven't gotten that Gary Neville has asked for. I mean famously we've mentioned it loads of times he he did say that like as if the team was complete now he said Varane, Sancho, Kane, and that's that's the title. That's done. Like we're ahead of Man City and Liverpool now. If you give us if you give us those three players, and and they got two of them, and they got Ronaldo, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo instead of Kane. He got nowhere near the fucking league. And then since then, they've just pumped more and more and more and more money into the team. They've gotten a new manager. Got pumped more and more money into the team. He's now saying the midfield's a disgrace. That's what he's implying. They've just signed Casemiro last year, and. They gave him a five-year contract. Nobody told them to do that, but that's what you could say. But they did. Gary Neville and everybody else told them to do that. If United had looked at that and said, Casemiro's available, but it's a lot of money, it's a lot of money, and it's five years, I, I don't think this is worth it. We don't know what he's going to be like next year, what he's going to be like the year after that. If they had just held fire on that, let's hold out. Let's hold out and get somebody else. They would like they would have been lambasted. Like imagine, imagine the scorn that would have came over them. So in a way, the Glazers are permanently, or whoever's running the club, they're per- and it's not a good way of doing it. But they're permanently reacting to all these demands from all these United fans that, that are being whipped up every single week by Gary Neville. We need this. We need this. We need this. So they go and they sign these players, and then what happens is the problem is players are not. People are now looking at people like Harry Maguire, Scott McTominay, who they didn't sign him, but we can't get these players off the books, can't you? The squad's too bloated. We can't. Nobody will buy your players. It's a disgrace, and it's because they've bought every single person you've asked them to buy, and like now they, they they've basically added Mason Mount and Casemiro into their midfield three. They've signed two of their last midfield three in the last year. Christian Eriksen's the other option there. And now Gary Neville is saying this midfield is a disgrace. The board have hung Ten Hag up to dry because they didn't give him a midfield. Honestly, like it, it, it would actually be a really good social study for them. And they've obviously got enough money and United have enough money and they're happy enough to run into more debt. So it would be a good social study for them to just buy every single player and every single position that Neville now insists that they need to buy him for the next couple of years and then see where we're at after that. We'll be in the exact same position. Every time I look at Man United's match day squad, I remember that they've spent four hundred million quid, and I ask myself, "Where is that money? Where is it? I can't see where that money is on the team sheet." And like Man United, you're right. Man United fans have gotten everything they've asked for. We don't need to do a social study. We know it's already happened. They've got everything they've asked for, including the manager as well. And they are so desperate for this manager to work as well. Like, you know, we finally have a world-class manager. And that was after two years of dying on the Solskjaer Hill as well. Just repeatedly taking bullets every fucking week, getting riddled. Like, stop trying to rig it out unless there's a fucking sniper in the tower. Play dead because your fucking manager is. But- <laughs> 
but that, but that constant repetition of finally we have a world-class manager during a season where they lost 7-0 to their biggest rivals and were 4-0 down at halftime against their local rivals and embarrassed in Europe, turfed out by Sevilla. Like someone, some of them were talking about the City game saying, with straight faces, we won the second half. Like, you know, at, at least at least we showed a bit of fight. You were 4-0 down at halftime. You were throwing punches in a fucking straitjacket. And now here we are. Eric Ten Hag, the man you wanted to finally got a world-class manager. Ten Hag has thrown 400 million on top of Solskjaer's 450 million. Like they, they could have 17 50 million point players. Where are they? Like they're, they're rotating Anthony, Sancho, Garnacho, and Palestri in the wings. They, they have Mason Mount playing centre midfield with Casemiro, who looked like he right back for pre-season training, carrying his lo- luggage in his fucking stomach. And their, their performance against Spurs, my God. Like, I'd, I'd honestly say the cleaners found the changing room floor just fucking littered with plaster Paris socks the next morning because a bigger group of wankers you could not wish to find. Like, self indulgent, lazy wine and tossers. Like, can, can you imagine how it must feel to be a to be a sound Man United fan? And I'm sure one or two of them exist. And just having to watch that team, like Bruno Fernandez as their captain. And, and I know there might be some rival fans thinking about Emmy Martinez and how big of a cunt he is. But Emmy Martinez is being a cunt for Aston Villa. Emmy Martinez wants to win for Aston Villa. Bruno Fernandes is being a cunt because he's a cunt. And Bruno Fernandes wants to win for Bruno Fernandes. And that is it. I cannot imagine what it's like to watch to watch that team. Yeah, it would be really grim. Like They really had all the hallmarks of a side who were at the end of a managerial reign. You know, just this guy's, this guy's out of time. He's getting sacked after this match. That, like, this was the second game of the season. And they were away to Spurs. And Spurs, who they famously always laugh at for being a sort of walkover for Man United. And they looked so far out of ideas. They looked so unfit. It looked like this is just crying out for a new manager, a proper manager to come <laughs> and put them in the shape. But that's never going to happen because we're just at the start of a second season of, like you say, the manager they wanted. The manager they will back as world class now for next few years so what's going to happen now in the meantime is he's just going to be back to spend another 90 million on another player like Anthony he's going to be back to spend another 75 million on another player like Sancho I think that was Solskjaer that got him but he's going to be back to go find another Casemiro he's going to be back to go get another Howland and who's not going to play up front when he needs a striker it, it's it's I don't know it, it's it's depressing yeah sometimes you really do count your blessings like you you watch other teams sometimes in the Premier League and when you are going for them and you're sort of swaying towards them every so often, you realise, geez, actually, it's, it's fine. It's fine supporting Villa. <laughs> 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 you know, like you're looking at these hopeless sides coming up against United or whoever else and you're just like, ah, you know, they, they don't have it. They, you know, Diaby would have it. He'd be able to do something here. Leon Bailey would be able to do something <laughs> here. These players don't have players of that caliber. And I'm looking at United now thinking, oh, God, thank God. Thank God, that's not my team. Hashtag not my team. But <laughs> the, the, amount, the amount of times against Spurs where I saw Casemiro arriving onto the ball at the edge of the box, you know, either arriving late or, you know, picking the ball up there and then trying to thread through pass. Is this the system you've got? Casemiro standing at the tip of the D is the playmaker. Fuck me. What were you working on all summer? 
Anyway, look, we'll leave that there. We've got a whole season of enjoyment about Aston Villa and about other clubs. So we'll pace ourselves. Thanks a million for listening. We've got a Wednesday show as well, so we definitely should be pacing ourselves. So please do subscribe wherever you're getting your podcast. I know you hear that at the end of a podcast and you just sort of switch off, but it does help and it's actually very helpful for us then because I don't like having to send out a tweet telling me that the podcast is coming at this time and then people holding me exactly to that time then as well you know I've, i'm trying to juggle a lot of people here i'm trying to keep them all happy i can't do it i'm struggling <laughs> just subscribe and then you get the podcast whenever it drops but i really do it's actually nice you know knowing that you, you are getting pissed off that the podcast is an hour or two after we said it was going to be that is a nice feeling as scary as it is sometimes i mean i can't even face a twitter account sometimes when when i know oh God, the podcast isn't going to go out until tomorrow. What are they going to think? <laughs> <laughs> because I can be sure they're going to tell me what they think. <laughs> uh, but I do appreciate it. I really do. Um, so it'd be nice if you subscribed as well and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to chat to you on Wednesday. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about, again, in the interest of pacing ourselves, is you and I Emery's nice little zippy cardigan as well that went over that nice shirt. I know you appreciate that, Liam, as a man of high fashion, a man who likes his suits and that was appropriate suit wear. We could talk about it now or we could talk about it on Wednesday if you like. Ah, sure, we'll see what happens on Wednesday. I, I, just, in, just in case he's wearing something even better, Conan. <laughs> Thanks a million for listening and we'll chat to you then. <laughs>